What's up, guys? It's Friday, August 21st, 2020, and this is another edition of FritzCast. How y'all doing? Uh, If you checked my Twitter account yesterday, you probably saw I posted a notice saying that I was considering going live, and I, I, I thought about it. I actually almost clicked the go live button, except I found a new software. I'm using OBS right now. OBS is a great free open source type of program. And uh, it helps me do, you know, cool transition things. It helps me do, like, the intro video like you just saw. And then I can split into this. And then I can do cool stuff like the the Chrome screen and all that. Uh, I looked at another one, Streamlabs OBS. uh, Because Streamlabs is built for live streaming, uh, so they say. So I have to... I I, I downloaded it. I looked at it. I started to play around with it. And I said... (laughs) I looked at the time. It's 9 o'clock right now. 9.30 almost. And... uh, I looked at uh, I looked at that and the printer's going to go off because my wife's printing stuff. Uh, but um, I, I looked at that and I thought to myself, uh, you know, I'm going to have to play around with this thing a little more to really you know make sure that uh, the th- the thing is set up right and that it that it works well and that it produces a good product. You know, unlike when your wife is printing stuff from the printer. But uh, uh, beside the point, um, this is going to be a shorter edition of the FritzCast anyway uh, because I, I have been talking to and lining up interviews with, with some people. There's a couple of different uh, perspective libertarian uh, candidates running uh, for various offices that have actually reached out and contacted uh, me wishing to come on the show. And then I want to be able to provide them a, a, a format, a program, and, and the opportunity to get interviewed by somebody, especially if they don't have the experience. Uh, in doing it, so uh, we we we're going to be lining some of that up shortly as well. So we're going to have more guests, more dialogue, more things coming on Fritzcast. I'm excited about it, um, including I'm working on uh, finding a way to get some better lighting in here. There's the one light above my head that sh- shines off my shiny chrome dome there, uh, which I'm sure you just love seeing. I'm sure you just love looking at it, right? And, you know, it's absolutely cool. Uh, so, this the other reason it's going to be a shorter edition too is that uh, I had a couple weeks off of work, and for those of you who don't work, no, for those of you who don't work, there's some of you out there who don't work, mostly people rioting and looting and they're Marxists, but, but besides that point, <laughs> besides that point, I had a couple weeks off of work. I work midnight to 8 uh, in the morning, uh, so there's adjustments that, that are made Um in my uh, routine day-to-day. So crashing back into it this week has been, I've been kind of disheveled, you know. (laughs) And, you know, it is what it is. Uh, But I haven't had too rough a week. I just, I always, you go on vacation and you're like, do I really, do I want to go back? Do I need to go back? And then you look at your bills and your finances and stuff and you're like, oh yeah, I do, yeah. Oh, damn capitalism, Uh, whatever. Uh, but besides that, I mean, so uh, it's, it's been a little bit of Rocky Reek. Emmy, my daughter, who is turning a year next month, that is insane to me that she's turning a year next month. She's in another developmental leap. There's, there's several developmental leaps that, that, uh, that your, your child goes through. 
And uh, right now it's it's amazing because every time I see a leap, if, if you don't read the FritzCast database uh, blog posts and all that, you got to read those uh, because I, I kind of, it's kind of like my dad journal of, of a journey where, you know, I, I don't post in it every week. I don't post in it every day. It's like every month I put up, you know, I write something about, you know, watching my daughter develop um, and grow in her journey. Just, you know, just being a parent and, and how it impacts you and how you feel about it. And uh, this week especially, it's, cr- I mean, it's crazy. Every time one of these, um, one of these uh, uh, periods come where she's in a, developmental leap you just see like it's like a switchboard almost it's like you know these are things that she wasn't quite getting down or doing and then all of a sudden it's just like overnight switch 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 switch. she can do it all uh you know uh, up till now she's never waved goodbye you know but now you know somebody comes in somebody's going to leave or whatever she waves she acknowledges that i have flashcards that have like you know pictures of dogs a, a child waving goodbye uh a cat you know a ball books she loves sitting there as I pull out the flashcards, and she can articulate in her own way what they are. And it's insane. It's insane to see that. The other thing that she's done over the past couple of days is walking. You know, she's been, we've always walked her around. We have a little walker toy for her. She's always used those. She's always enjoyed doing that. But now she can actually, she, and she loves doing it. She'll, in a mid-cross, she'll just stop, push herself up to her feet, and then pew, take off. And it's insane. It's insane. it's a whole nother level of par- of parental paranoia when they get to that stage because you know crawling is one thing, especially when they first start crawling. You're like, oh, you can move, you know, it's cool. Then it goes to they can really crawl. Then so you're like, okay, they can get anywhere. And then when they can stand up and pull themselves up on stuff, it's like, ugh, move stuff up to a higher shelf, pay a little bit more attention to what's going on, and then they're walking. All bets are off. Uh, you know, you're just going to find them climbing up staircases and ladders and things like that. And and their kids, things are going to happen. They're going to fall. They're going to get bumps and bruises. You you know, you, you go with the flow. You don't you don't try to limit them. I don't try to limit my daughter's exp, exploration. Me and my wife don't do that. Um, we very much encourage her to explore something, know her limitations, know, you know, oh, if you're crawling towards the edge of the couch or whatever, you can't just, you know, lean over and not expect to not fall. And I think it I think it promotes better development for them. It helps them learn. They piece it together in their heads. You know, a lot of people think, oh, these babies are dumb. And on the evolutionary scale, yeah, sure, human babies are the ones that need the most work. You know, we're the ones that need the most work, the most care, we're the most least, or the most least, we're the least self-sufficient, uh, baby-wise, but uh, it they are very well and capable and can piece things together in those brains of theirs, and it's stunning to watch, really is stunning to watch, and I'm, that's just like, I'm thankful I had that two-week block right before now to have off, because this was all starting to jumble in her head. And it's just, it's it's great. You know, I'm working midnight to eight. Some people are like, how does that affect the family life? Well, I mean, it it, it betters the family life in, in my perspective because 12 to eight, they sleep. I come home at eight o'clock. I go to sleep until about two o'clock. But then from two o'clock on, I'm awake. I'm doing things with the family. I used to work, I used to work uh, evening shift. I used to work four to midnight. That was hell. No social life, no family life, nothing. You, you you go to work during peak social hours of stuff, 
and you come home and, and you go to bed and then you wake up and you, you can have the morning and stuff when people are, you know, the majority of people are out of work. Uh, you know, the majority of people are doing something. They're occupied with something, you know, it, it would, if I was on four to 12, it would still, I would have a maximized amount of time with my daughter before going to work. You can say that, but I, I have it now as well. Uh, so I'm thankful for it. I really am. I'm, I'm very thankful for it. So, so in getting my disheveledness from, from the past week, you know, getting myself back on base, which it takes like a, a day or two or three to really adjust back from if, if you're like me, some people who work midnight to eight and that's their schedule, even when they take off, they just keep it when they're off. I, I don't, I don't do that. I'm fighting, I'm fighting my internal clock, which you know, I can, I'm used to 12 to 8. I can go in, I can work it. Uh, I'm not groggy. I can get through it. I know my body knows I'm going to sleep between these hours. You know, it knows that it adjusts to that. When I'm not at it, my body knows I'm not on it. And it goes, oh, hey, we get to be normal people this week. And it's awesome. <laughs> it's awesome for those two weeks. So, uh, in, in readjusting to that, I looked at this new program, uh, which I said, what did I say? It was Streamlabs OBS. Uh, so I'm going to tinker around with that and then I'm looking at, you know, expanding the show into doing it live, uh, to branch out to the audience. It gives you guys more opportunities to participate and things like that. Uh, I'm not, don't hold me to set schedules or anything yet. But the other thing it does is that I can link it up to things like YouTube, you know, and D live and a bunch of other websites, which offers more expansion, but then at the end of it, I don't have to, you know, worry about editing or processing a video clip and then putting it up on YouTube and then sharing it out. It can be shared out and then I can go back and reshare it on social media uh, for playback purposes and graph the audio, put it up on Apple on podcasts and Google Podcasts, Spotify, all those things that I've been doing. And and so we'll see. We'll, we'll, we'll see. I'm not no no guarantees. Not making it happen. Not uh, not committing to anything, so don't hold me to it, bastards. Uh, as you can as you can see, I'm getting more voices and stuff. I've gone back and I've listened to a lot of past Fritzcast episodes from 2018 midterm elections and 2016 election season. And you know, sometimes you, when you're analyzing your product or what you're doing when you're analyzing the show, when I'm analyzing Fritzcast, I I go back to see you know to see how I was doing things in the past versus how I'm doing them now. In the past, wasn't doing video, doing video now. Uh, in the past, doing a lot of goofy voices. I seem like, I feel like I've broken off a little bit and I need to regroup, refocus, and bring back that goofy, nonsensical energy back into the show. And that's what that's what I intend to do uh, over the course of the next couple of weeks. Uh that that's what I really that's what I want to do. I want to get back to throwback, you know, Fritzcast. You know, being silly and goofy is, is good. You know, it injects some entertainment when we're talking about mind-numbing American politics, and and that's what we need. That's what everybody needs. We need a little unity. That's a unifying front, you know, and it's a great unifying front, you know, and people like it. 
And I love doing goofy voices. You know, I love, you know, one of the one of the top voices that people loved was when I did Bernie Sanders. And, you know, unfortunately, when I'm doing it on audio, I, I don't have a wig. I don't have glasses. Uh, you know, I can't do those things. I never had to worry about doing those things. I had a little podcast app and a little sound effects to make it sound like I was on a phone so I could call in, you know. And could I figure out how to do that? Sure, you know. But really, the top tenth of one percent of podcasters are hold beat out. But who cares? Who cares if I don't have a Bernie Sanders costume? Who cares if you see me talking, having a conversation with old Bernard? Who, who cares? You know. So maybe it'll happen. Maybe it won't happen. Uh, but I, I'm looking to inject some more fun. You know. Uh, just just like how I've been bringing in the guests on the show, uh, that's what that's what I want to do. You know, I wanna I wanna have some fun with this, and I'm doing something on the fly right now, which I shouldn't be doing right now on the fly, but uh, that'll be for later. I'll read that in a minute. So. One of the subjects that I wanted to dive in for this week uh, has been the Democratic National Convention, which has started, which was this was this past week's, and I have to say, uh, mind-numbing politics that come into play uh, with this thing. It was quite clear from day one. What the Democrats were doing. Okay, think about everything that's led up to now. Okay, a, a lot of Trump hate. We can discuss that. You know, we can discuss some valid criticisms against Donald Trump. Absolutely. Definitely valid criticisms against Joe Biden, against Kamala Harris, and, and yes, we can talk about all that. But the Democrats have been. Promoting protests. Protesting is fine, but the protesting has come with a lot of follow-up violence from Antifa, from Black Lives Matter, uh, the organization, the the Marxist-led organization. Uh, we've gone through this this spat about tearing down statues, tearing down history, you know, all this stuff. What's day one of the Democratic National Convention? Big uplifting singing of the national anthem from people across the world, you know, on Zoom, you know, put together in a giant collage of, of YouTube. It's as grand always patriotic singing the national anthem proudly, which two weeks prior to this event would not have been. It would be about how, you know, Colin Kaepernick is right to kneel because this country is bad. Uh, if you ask if you ask me, that's the way that I view it. Uh Reciting the pledge of the, excuse me, tongue twist. Reciting the pledge of allegiance in full, including under God, when they would complain about that being forcing religion on people. Proudly reciting the pledge of allegiance. Of, of, of allegiance. I, can, I don't know why I can't say the word of fucking allegiance today. <sighs> Sorry. Real professional on Fritzcast. Uh. Reciting the Pledge of Allegiance. Uh, reciting the preamble to the Constitution. 
of the United States of America when Joe Biden can't even recite the passage from the Declaration, the highlight passage from the Declaration of Independence, but proudly reciting the preamble to the Constitution, even though they want to, you know, repeal the Second Amendment and completely overhaul that section of, of the Constitution, even though their whole end goal isn't to be constitutional. I always love that. I always love when they try to pass off as being constitutional when they really only care about the Constitution in as much as it supports their ideology. So they did that. They recited the preamble to the Constitution. They had a prayer. They opened with a prayer. They had a prayer. The Democratic National Convention was an appeal to Republicans. It wasn't, it wasn't anything to do with Democrats. It was to try to nab any guilt-ridden Republicans over Donald Trump. That's what it was. It was a grab at uh, Republicans that have a bad taste in their mouth from Donald Trump and really don't want to vote for him again, really wish he wasn't running. But I have some numbers on that, mind you, that we, that we need to tackle from Gallup. Very important thing. It's playing into a third-party talk. Okay, so you third-party people, oh, you're wasting your vote. A vote for Joe Jorgensen is a vote for Donald Trump. Which, by the way, there's also MAGA hats who said, you know, that's really that's really fucking us over. You know, you could help put old creepy Joe up if you, if you vote for Joe Jorgensen. Oh, yeah. Now you know what kind of episode it's going to be. You know what kind of tirade I'm going to go on in a minute. Hold it. Hold, pump the brakes. We'll get there in a moment. Okay? They targeted those Republicans that have the bad taste in their mouth, that don't want to vote for Donald Trump, that are leaning more away from Donald Trump. They targeted those guys. Guys who might even... Feel, uh, voters. Not just guys. Men. Women. Um, you know, not... Children that can't vote, even though I've read plenty of an article that says 16-year-olds and 15-year-olds and 14-year-olds should be able to vote. Okay, whatever. But it was an appeal to those people. And it was, like, just, to me, it put a bad taste in my mouth watching it. I'm, I'm somebody who, as you know... I'm not voting for Donald Trump. I'm not voting for Joe Biden. But it still put a bad taste in my mouth watching it because I was like, this is just straight up targeting them. Then it was followed up with like a clips of dozens of people, lots of African-American people even, especially young African-American people who in their videos, this is the Democratic National Convention, in their videos are saying, yeah, I'm settling for Joe Biden. Don't make no mistake about it. Joe Biden does not stoke my passion. I'm not excited about it in the least. You know, these people don't even care that he picked Kamala Harris or Kamala Harris as his VP. They say straight up, bluntly, I'm I'm not impressed with this ticket at all. It does not stroke my passion. It does not get me happy. I'm not happily sitting here supporting Joe Biden. I'm settling for Joe Biden because Trump. That was the second portion that I saw. And it was mind-numbingly stupid. I, like, I don't... I, when it comes to this, 
in American politics because we're about to get into the numbers now. Remember I said pump the brakes. We're going to the numbers now in a second. While I'm thinking about it, let me get the Gallup poll on the ready because I have a Chrome because um, I have a Chrome screen that we can uh, look at. My bad. And the audio listeners, always the audio listeners. Yeah, I love you guys. You guys are the OGs. A lot of you are the OGs. And you've gone through me going into a video production program. And you sit here, you sit there and you hear me talk about, I'm going to pull this up on the screen. And you're like, damn it, I don't care. Whatever. So. Then you go on a rant, you forget where you were. <laughs> It was all an appeal to the Republican voter and to the independent voter who definitely doesn't like Trump but isn't sold on Biden. Um, after hearing dozens of videos about people unenthusiastic about Joe Biden saying they're still voting for him, uh, this this when you allow yourself, I thought came back into my head. See. When you're voting against the other person, and that is your primary passion, that's your primary goal, that is your focus, is to vote against somebody, then the game of politics has already failed you. Because when you do that, you're essentially, like, people don't want to hear me say this, but for all you out there who are saying that I'm wasting my vote on Joe Jorgensen... Same people who blame me for the 2016, they blame me for the 2016 election because I voted for Gary Johnson. That helped Trump. Oh, wait, no, it didn't because Hillary Clinton won Delaware's electoral votes. Okay, she also won the popular vote. So my vote for Gary Johnson actually probably helped her win the popular vote and definitely played a role in helping her win Delaware. So... your ridiculousness aside, because your argument is no argument at all. It makes no logical sense. And it also is anti-democratic, which you're so clamoring for. But when you vote when you when you don't vote against this stuff, when you when you stand up and you know hold your nose and pull the lever for Joe Biden this time, because that's that's what it is. You say this time. You say next time I'm not gonna let this happen, but here's the dirty little secret. You did it this time. Doing it this time is an endorsement of this behavior, of, of allowing terrible candidates. You're essentially telling the Democrats that, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll still end up voting for you, even if I don't really, even if I'm not inspired by your choices at all. I'll still end up voting for you just because I hate the other side or the other guy. And it means that ultimately... They hold the power over you. You don't hold the power in the Democratic Party or the Republican Party because how many of you are voting for Donald Trump because, you know, Joe Biden is terrible. Like, we could, we can go into some legitimate... Joe Biden has 30-plus years in government, almost longer than I've been alive in government. He's actively played a role and done damaging things in the government in his 30 years. He also ran for president... 
Not once, not twice, but this is the third time. This is the only time <laughs> that he's actually secured the nomination and moved forward. So I guess third time's a charm for you, Joe. But, you know, as far as how it looks for you in the general election, we'll, we'll, we'll get there. But a lot of people like to go on the, the third party bash. We, we, we can't, you know, there's a lot of territory that we can tackle in there. Okay. We can talk about viability and the possibilities and uh, how the system's rigged. In fact, look at the uh, episode of Fritzcast with Theodore Quinoa. I believe that was last week's episode. He's from Crowdfunded Government, and he says third parties are bullshit. It's a waste of time. It's a waste of money. Pick R, pick D. Push your agendas through either one of those because the system's rigged against you. Anything, anything else is a waste of your time. I had a dissenting opinion on Fritzcast. Oh, my God. We can get into that. But the fact remains that you're giving them an endorsement. You're, you're telling them, you know, yeah, you can basically not give me what I want because at the end of the day, you'll have enough of what I want and you, you're the only viable party. Howie Hawkins uh, of the Green Party isn't going to, you know, get me. He's only on 30 ballots. He's only on 30 states' ballots. Whatever. This is it right here. <clears throat> Right here, Gallup polls, 25% in the U.S. say neither candidate would be a good president. Think about that for a minute. 25%, one in four, say neither candidate would be a good president. All right, and I want to give you the story highlights right here. All right. Whoop. Got to work. Oh, I'll work a little harder on this. 36% say Biden would be a good president. Only 36% say Biden would be a good president. 33% say Trump would. 52% of Democrats and leaners wish someone else was their nominee. This is going to be a key one. And 42% of Americans view Trump favorably. 47 view Biden favorably. These are actually up there in the historically low margins. Um... Trump and Hillary were the Mount Everest peak of terrible candidates. This time around, it's not much better uh, because about 90% of what the Democrats are saying is, but Trump. Uh, so I want to go to this chart real quick because this, this is the good breakdown. Woo, way too much. Look at that. Um... This is America's views of Donald Trump and Joe Biden. Uh, U.S. adults. Only Biden, 36. Only Trump, 33. Neither, 25%. One in four Americans right there. The smart ones. Um, <laughs> if we go by Republicans, only Biden is about 4%. Only Trump is 79%. Only Trump. And 12% is neither. Uh and 5% is both. All right, independence is 28, only Biden, 27, only Trump, 37% neither. Neither takes the cake for the independence, um, and it's kind of even split between the two. And then Democrats, 75% only Biden, 3% only Trump, 19% neither, 1% both. Uh, down to the next chart, though, this is, uh, this is, this is the telling data. Um, this has been the upward trend of 
neither of, of people saying neither candidate. They started Gallup started asking these questions in 2004. Bush Kerry. That's when it started. When they started polling for this data. Upward trend. 2004. Uh, Americans' perceptions on whether on whether presidential candidates would make good presidents. We're going to skip the other data. We're going to look at the neither candidate co column on this. In 2004, Bush Kerry, Bush was the incumbent, 11% said neither. In 2008, McCain-Obama, that jumped from 11 to 19%. In 2012, for Romney-Obama, it dropped slightly to 17. And then 2020, for Trump-Biden, it was 25%. For whatever reason, I don't understand why, but in 2016, Gallup didn't ask this question, probably because it was way up there it was probably it, it probably was 50 50 if i had to guess uh but here's the other telling data republicans are more pleased than the democrats with their party's candidate this is the telling data um generally pleased with their party's nominee republican and republican leaders 74 percent only a quarter, 25%, only a quarter wish it was somebody else. With the Democrat and Democratic leaders, leaners, 48% are pleased with the party nominee. Whereas 52% wish it was someone else. And this, if you ask me, this is potentially where you lose elections. When 52%, according to this data, 52% wish someone else was the nominee. People used to say that the Republican Party was in shambles. I was one of them. And I still am one of them. However, 74% of them are generally pleased with Donald Trump to a quarter that's not. And it's near 50-50 split for the Democrats. Near 50-50 split. So the real question is how many of that 52% that wish it was somebody else are the hold-your-nose guys? The ones that will hold their nose and vote for Biden to get them the edge just because they don't like Trump. And how many of them are true how many of them are the truly more fringe, you know, 20%, 30% or so that won't do it. Then it really boils down to voter turnout. <clears throat> and I've got something to say on vo on voter turnout in a minute. Uh, but this data this is what this is what I present uh, as what I would say is a compelling case for third-party politics. Now, some people are going to argue against that. They're going to say, "But there's not a third party that takes the cake of of all the the voters that didn't vote," and that's true. That's true. The, the, the third parties have not had the momentum, uh, the steam. Uh, the appeal, the outreach. Really, they suffer in the outreach department. 
and part of the reason they suffer in the outreach department is that it's rather easy for it's rather easy for the parties it's rather easy for the news media and and people in general to write you off because you know guess what I love Joe Jorgensen I'm very glad that I got to interview Joe Jorgensen I'm proud proudly going to pull the lever in person or in mail what whatever it is we were going to talk about that some other time not on this episode but I'm going to proudly go for Joe Jorgensen uh, even more proudly than what I went for Gary Johnson. Gary Johnson was kind of a hole in my nose vote. But even even though I'm doing that, I'll concede to you that Joe Jorgensen winning the presidency is kind of a pipe dream. You have to win the Electoral College. Now, mind you, she's going to be, at the end of this, on all 50 state ballots. So, on paper, she could possibly do it. Ballot access is one of the biggest fights. I think the Green Party, I think it really, I think Howie Hawkins is, I think the Green Party is only on like 30 state ballots. Uh, I'm not entirely sure, but this is part of what kills third-party momentum. The system is set up to not be inclusive. And when it's not inclusive, what can you do? What can you do but sit there and live with the consequences of the fact that they're not going to let you make a splash? I had to pause the recording real quick because I had to <clears throat> go get this next data point for you, which will be the last data point we go over, and then we're going to wrap this episode up. Uh, but... Right here, Pew Research, U.S. trails most developed countries in voter turnout, uh, which you can see the data here. This is the chart. The United States is down here at 55.70% in the 2016 election. 55.70% uh, of the voting age population and that's the turnout. And that's the number of registered people. It's 86.80. So we don't have a voter registration problem, per se, but we do have a going to the polls and voting problem compared to other nations. Look at this. It, uh, I think it said the United States is ranked like something like 20th. 26th right here. The U.S., placed 26th out of 32 with current VAP, that's voter average, um, or voting age population estimates that weren't available for three countries. 26th out of 32. Look, look at some of these countries that beat out. Belgium, Sweden, Denmark, Australia, South Korea, Netherlands, Israel, New Zealand, Finland, Hungary. Norway, Germany, Austria, France, Mexico, Italy, Czech Republic, UK, Greece, Canada, Portugal, Spain, Slovakia, Ireland, Estonia, and then the United States. 
See, when people tell me that third parties are pipe dreams, I get where they're, I get where they're coming from. I, I get that a third party doesn't automatically scoop up all the non-voting people. But at the same token, only 55% voting. And sometimes, dirty little secret, it's less than that. If only 55% is voting, and of that 55%, you have the actual numbers. 63 million voting for Hillary Clinton, 60 million voting for Donald Trump. It's very arbitrary. That's a very arbitrary difference. Three million votes in a nation of 320-some-odd million people. But only 120 million are voting. Because a bunch of other... Everybody outside of that that is a combination of people not voting, people voting third party. There was five million of us or so, almost five million of us, that voted for Gary Johnson. Uh, there was 700... That, there was like a three-quarters of a million people that I think voted for Evan McMullen in 2016. When you put that into perspective, I'm not saying a third party is going to scoop up everybody that's left, you know, like, you know, oh, we're the independent party and we're going to win every time because we have exactly 50%. No, that's not going to happen. But there's enough of a voting body there that's not voting that you can conceivably tap into their interest, get them interested in voting, maybe even via third party, and then the third party has battleground against the two major party people. Because how much overlap do Democrats and Republicans have? They have surprisingly a lot of overlap on on, on a couple of different key issues. It's almost like there's no difference. Like, fiscal responsibility in this country pissed away by both parties constantly nobody stands up for that stuff except for your usuals Justin Amash uh, Thomas Massey Mike Lee you know Ben Sass you know you you have uh, one here one there you know but mostly they're just standing up on the principle and nobody's nobody else in the Congress is really listening to those guys. They go, oh, they're, they're grandstanding on their principle, whatever, fuck them. It's sad. It's sad, but third parties can't gain traction anyway because you have things like the Commission on Presidential Debates, which I'm getting ready to do an episode specifically on them and how they've handled setting up these presidential debates since they took over and a little bit more than the history of that because I've covered it before. I've covered it in 2016, but we're going to cover it again. We're going to look at, you know, why the League of Women Voters just blew it off and, and, and not, it wasn't taken from them. The League of Women Voters said, screw this. They've given the campaigns too much power over how over control of the debates and it's it's a ruse. We're not going to be a, a part of disenfranchising the American voter. And they bowed out. And the commission of the commission on presidential debates was born. And they've been controlling this game. A bipartisan organization has been calling all the shots to put on these grandiose spectacles that don't really even accomplish much of anything. 
that's the dirty truth. That's the dirty truth I'm putting out there. So Theodore from crowdfunded government who said third-party votes were a waste of time, third-party vote uh, efforts are a waste of time, I say to you, Theodore, maybe you're wrong because the data, at least anyway, shows that the American people are increasingly more and more getting sick of the game because the game doesn't work for them. And are the two parties ever going to bow and respect that and make it work? I find it doubtful because... Too many people stand up and say, you third-party people, we can't do it this time. We can't do it this year. This election is the most important election of our lifetime. Been through three of those already that I can vote in. Three, Yes. Yes. Three of those that I've already been able to vote in. I had to stop and think. After you... 31 years old. After you turn 30, everything's just downhill. Anyway... Guys, that does it for me for this week. Thanks for tuning in and listening. And uh, and 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 as always, I, you know, as always, I appeal to you. Share this with your friends if you liked it. Uh, uh, if you're on YouTube, drop a comment, leave a review, uh, thumbs up, share it on your social media. Uh, if you're an Apple listener, click that review button, man. Click the stars up at the top. You know, give me, you know, if you want to, if you're so inclined, give me a five-star rating. But if not, I'll, I'll accept the four-star rating, okay? But drop a couple of lines in a review, too, why you like the show, and share it with your buddies. And, and, and subscribe. Subscribe across the platforms, whichever your preference is. Subscribe so that you never miss an episode. You never miss the opportunity. But ultimately, those reviews, those stars, they help boost this show up. And you sharing it with your buddies on social media, I know it doesn't seem like much, but just hitting a share button and writing a line or two goes a long way. And if you keep your eyes peeled on my Twitter and stuff, I do these little snippet videos from, from you know, uh, like a little highlight of the episode that make it even more like share it with your buddies. They get a little, just a little teaser, a little taste, a little bite of it, and they're enticed to go click on the link and check it out. And I appreciate stuff like that. All right? So, guys, that does it for me. Remember, I love you. Have yourselves a good weekend and a good upcoming week. And keep your eyes peeled because I'm I'm really thinking about taking that step forward in, into the live stream. Uh, I would like to do it. I'd like to boost some show interaction and things like that. Uh, so if you're willing to be a test dummy or subject, hit me up uh, so that I can make sure that I have my sh- stuff set up right. You know, I don't want to look like a slapped ass. All right. Love you guys.